Blog Talk Radio. First World Order Radio, finally, finally, we are on the air. No doubt. All right, all right. There's always going to be somebody in the building on First World Order Radio. We get on into some of that order consciousness tonight. First World Order Radio every Wednesday, 8 p.m. We got to talk about what is taking place on the planet. There's always going to be somebody in the building on First World Order Radio. First, we need to let you know we're going to be doing more shows, giving out more information on Wednesdays. Wednesday is 8 o'clock. We are now going to make this the hottest day of the week. Levels in time, order, importance. The most prominent parts, voices, or instruments. Earthly state of human concerns and existence. An indefinite multitude, quantity, or distance. System regulates the bringer by specifics and the group based on value with natural characteristics. Current radiates electromagnetics of sound through the air that your thoughts transmits it. Proceeding levels in time, order, importance. The most prominent parts, voices, or instruments.
which we are doing by the thousands every day all across the country, committing genocide among our own people, and the losses by that by the hands of our own people is staggering. And this is what I want to address first, you know. But I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna move on to parts of a book called This Is Your Moorish Education, Lesson One, by Hing Judah Ill. I'm I'm Hing Rutherford Ill, so don't get us don't don't get us mixed up, okay? Just want to clear that up first. All right, let's deal with the introduction. It says here, Negroes, colored people, black people, or African Americans were not all brought to this side of the world in slave ships from Africa, which is true. We were already here. We were here before the so-called Indians. They are Gokwans. So let's get that straight. You know, a lot of us derive from the Omex, which was here. Which was here. I don't know how many, maybe way over a hundred thousand years. Who knows? Because we are descendants of the Omex. You see a lot of our uh, the Omex bus down there in the Yucatan Peninsula, down there in south between Yucatan Peninsula, Peninsula and uh, Central America. And no mistakely, they are African Asiatic people. There's no mistake about that just by looking at them. So those of you who have saw the pictures or got books on these topics, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, let me go on. Okay. So I said the ancient ones, our Moorish ancestors, most of us have always resided here in America. And we shall prove this art extraordinary fact that with our shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, what it says here, more researcher Hakeem Bay tell us that we are the ancient original indigenous people of North, South, and Central America, and our nationality before we were kidnapped by the Spanish and Portuguese was more. If you ask most so-called African Americans, they would tell you they have some Native American blood in them. But the truth is, they are Native Americans through the bloodline of the Moors. Sometimes I don't like to use the word Native American too much because that's that's more like a social political term. But the fact is that we are the Native Moors of America. Or we have the Aboriginal indigenous people of this land. This is our birthright. To a brother yesterday uh, about wearing the fez, about I told him, well, any brother or or sister, for that matter, can wear a fez or a tarbush or a turban, you know. And he asked me, why did I say that? You know, because we are by birthright. That is their birthright to wear them if they want, if they uh, so please. So he was trying to say that uh, certain more than like the idea that uh, them not being actual, but all of them are Moors. They're not actual Moors. What are you talking about? They're all actual Moors. They're Moors by descent. They're Moors, they're, uh, they're African by descent, but
but they are Moors as well, brother. What, what do you What do you mean? Oh well, uh, actually, we can stop. No, you cannot. You cannot stop them for what is their birthright. Some uh, sisters and brothers, when they join the Moors Divine National Movement, especially those of those and then those temples, which most of them has been compromised, and they haven't been taught what Moors. Uh, nationality and birthright really is that they really don't have no real true understanding of it. So I'm gonna keep on. Well, okay, here it says, it says if you, if you ask most so-called African Americans, they would tell you that they have some Native American blood in them. But the truth is, they are Native Americans through the bloodline of the Moors. Our dominions covered Africa from Ethiopia, Egypt and the Sudan, Upper Egypt, across the Atlantic, to North and South Central America, to Atlantis, the Caribbean Islands. According to Noble Juwali, he called this our inherited lands. It was known as the Dominions of a Mexican. Parenthesis, Atlantis. Our true history has been falsified and altered, and we as Moors, it says here, parentheses, Native American Moors have been miseducated by the Western education system on a global scale, which we have. You know, uh, <clears throat> most of the people uh, haven't even heard of the word more. You know, you say more to them, they look at you like you uh, just went out to lunch or somewhere. You know, our Aboriginal indigenous or Aboriginal indigenous. Asiatic, Moabite, you know, those terms, which are what we really are, you know, who we really are. We are Moabite, Asiatic, Aboriginal, Indigenous, uh, Moorish people, or Moor people. And I don't like to use the word Moorish too much, but because uh, Moorish actually, it, 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 uh, it's saying that you are like a Moor. When you say Moorish too much, it says that, you know, it's like an adjective. Adjective, we're just describing a noun, or describing a noun, but not actually a Moor. Uh, I will be using the word, the term Moorish, uh, through this uh, through this lecture tonight. So I'm just, I'm just letting you know that I do know what I'm, when I say sometimes, when I say Moor, uh, I'm actually saying the actual Moors, and not Moorish, not being like a Moor. But I, I will still use the term Moorish off and on through this evening lecture. So, okay. All right, let me go on here. As great as Noble Drew Ali was, most Moors, so-called African-Americans, are not acquainted with him or his work, which is very true. Uh, you can say uh, the name, let alone Sheikh Sharif Adu Ali, don't even mention that, which was his uh, real, true, free national name. But if you ask, uh, just ask around about no, Prophet Noble Drew Ali, they ask you, who? Noble who? Ali who? You know? They won't know, you know, and it's not that they're uh, not sincere or not that they're so ignorant or anything. They just haven't, they just haven't been taught that. 
And this is why the purpose of this blog talk tonight, the purpose why uh, we write a lot of uh, news articles and certain newspapers, uh, certain newsletters to get them out on the website, to try to enlighten a lot of our Asiatic people, you know, about the man that actually was responsible for springing back uh, Asiatic people to get them to proclaim back their nationality and birthright, which is the number one problem. The number one problem. And then we won't have a lot of these, uh, what they call so-called black-on-black crimes that we have across the nation. We have so many of them. You're still going to have certain murders and certain robberies, assaults, and things like that, but not to a degree that it is today. Believe me. I'm, 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 I'm being realistic now. I know you're going to have certain uh, of us that are doing wrong to each other still, but not to this to this to uh, the, the degree what it is today. Because a lot of us will be educated about ourselves or who we are and where are we supposed to be at, okay? All right, let me go on. In 1928, Noble Drew Ali reclaimed all of our lands that had been taken away from us by the Europeans. He taught us of our history and heritage as Native American Moors. Who was Noble Drew Ali? Question. And that's a lot of uh, questions that have been asked about, I would say, about maybe between mm, 75 or 80% of Asiatic people in the North American hemisphere and probably around the world. You know, because they, they just really honestly don't know. You know, you would say, hey, boy, they look at you like, what did you say? I probably think you might be calling them a name or being, uh, you know, calling them something <clears throat> that is a detriment, you know, or that is detrimental to them, or some uh, a bad name, a new bad name, or something, a custom word. They don't a custom word or something. They don't know. But it's up to us that 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 are nationalized, nationalized and got our birthright, and those of us that are all enlightened, that that are uh, conscious enough, or I'll say cognizant enough, to know what I'm talking about tonight, to get the word out to them, to educate them. And that's why I'm here talking tonight. Okay, here I go. Noble Drew Ali, born Timothy Drew, was among the first people to introduce Islam to so-called African Americans through his movement. The true followers of Noble Drew Ali believed he was a prophet, not a biblical prophet, but a prophet for his people. Ali was born in 1886 in North Carolina. His mother died when he was young, and an aunt raised him. His followers claimed that his aunt was a mean woman who once threw him into a hot furnace, but God saved him from the flames. According to legend, Ali moved to a gypsy camp until he received a message from God that he was to go on a journey. He traveled to Egypt and Morocco, where he studied Egyptian mysteries, African history, and the Orthodox Islamic religion. The Moroccan king took favor with Ali and later sent him to America to teach the truth to the so-called African Americans. And the reason why 
I keep on saying it. The reason why Fahim Judah-El keep on saying it because uh, Dr. Eileen, Kadira Bay, El Bay, and, 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 and all the rest of them, why we say it, because the African-America, there's no such country called African-America. So therefore, it cannot be a nationality. It cannot be your nationality. It cannot be any Asiatic Moors nationality. Africa is the continent with 54 countries. Each country has 100 different languages. So which one are you? It's a, it's a continent. Africa is a continent, a continent of nations, a continent of nationalities. So therefore, it cannot be a nationality. Anyone want to argue that? Just give me a give me a call at three one four six four 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 two five after this lecture is over. Same thing with America. America is a continent. Central America, South America, and the adjoining islands. Which one are you? You know, are you a Brazilian? Has certain languages also. English, Spanish, Portuguese, even South American Portuguese, Creole. You know, so what 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 language do you speak? And other languages between you, different uh tribal nations of North America. And by the way, the Washington United Washington Dido Namandia Moor Nation Empire, we have our own languages also. Called the Moor by Washington language. Which I'm learning to speak. And we'll be speaking it fluently pretty soon. We have a language, we have a culture, we have a history, the Washita. So does the Cherokee, so does the the, the Nanako, so does the Ikitiwa, so does the Binishmael. Different languages. In order to be a, be a part of a nation, you have to have a, a language that you speak, a culture, a religion. Let me go on. Okay. Although he received no formal education, Ali was exposed to Islam, the Holy Quran, and Asian philosophy. Tained no distinct concept of race. In contrast to the separatism of American racism, this philosophy appealed to him. Asian philosophical influences aided Ali in the formulation of his own doctrines. And in 1913, he founded his first temple, the Canaanite Temple, in Newark, New Jersey. Over the next 12 years, he moved westward, establishing temples in Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Chicago. As Ali moved westward, his movement took shape and attracted many followers. One such follower was Kareem Allah, a.k.a. Elijah Muhammad. Now you have a lot of, uh, especially uh, sisters and brothers in the Nation of Islam, you know, uh, claiming that Elijah Muhammad was, the, uh, was never a part of the Moorish Divine National Movement with Noble Drew Ali. But that's not true. 
I've seen certain pictures of him, him and uh, Fa'ad Muhammad as well. Who, uh, uh, which I used to believe myself when I was a member of the Nation of Islam. My name was Brother Robert Six X. I was a Robert in the St. Louis, Missouri Republic. I was the sixth Robert that, that got his ex. That's the way they did it in those days. The, uh, the prophet, uh, I mean, that Elijah Muhammad never had anything to do with Prophet Noble Jawali. You know, he never was part of the of the Moorish Divine National Movement. That uh, also that Fa'ad Muhammad was God in person himself. I also believe that. I believe he was master for Art Muhammad, whom praises are due forever. But I'm not going to get dwelling too deep into that for tonight, this night. So I'm going to go on. All right? He believed that Islam was a religion of so-called African Americans before they were enslaved and that they should return to it. Ali found out, found and Ali founded and taught the five divine holy principles of love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice. The purpose behind his movement was to uplift so-called African Americans. One of the major tenets of the faith was correcting the national identity of so-called African Americans. Ali discounted identities created by so-called white Americans, such as Negro colored and black, claiming that his people originated in Morocco. Now I'm going to stop right here. Most people believe when you talk about Morocco, they're thinking you're talking about Northwest Africa. No. You're talking about the Al-Moroccan here, Al-Morocco here, the Al-Morocs, which is America or the Americas is a corruption of Al-Morocco or Morocco. We are true Moroccans, Asiatic Moor, Aborigine, Indigenous, Moabite, and so on. We also are Moroccans, or you can say Moroccans, which is here, the Moroccan Empire, which is America, which is known as America today, or the Americas. But its origin and its original name is the Almorocks or Al Morocco or Al Moroccan. I'm going to get that straight tonight. He referred to all people of color as Asiatic. Okay, now let's, let's start right here again. All He referred to all people of color as Asiatic. There are no people of color. We are not a people of color. Not Ash, Brother Judah, uh, Fahim Judah, El, and like that. But no, you, we are not people of color. We are not adjectives. When you're speaking of color, we are speaking of black, we are speaking of brown, yellow, red, of, of, of whatever. You're speaking of white as well. You're speaking of colors. Those are adjectives. People are not adjectives. People are proper nouns. If you are a proper noun, then you cannot call yourself black. 
You kill my car, you'll say, what person of color? Because those are adjectives. You're not an adjective. You are a more. You are a proper noun. Does it make sense? Okay. Ask yourself that. Does, it make, does that make sense what I just told you? All right. Just want to get that straight. Okay. And two so-called African Americans, specifically as Moorish Americans, descendants of the Moors of North America. Underlying his claim was the principle that by identifying with our North American ancestors as well as with Muslims throughout the world, so-called African Americans would have pride in an ancestry to which they had been denied. Ali raised the conscience of a dead people. He also influenced great leaders such as Marcus Garvey, Elijah Muhammad, Malcolm X, Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, and many others. And indigenous people around the world have, I mean, as indigenous people around the world have filed claims in the world court to reclaim their indigenous lands, a great deal of information has been surfacing regarding our indigenous more history, heritage, and culture. We have been taught by the Western education system to believe that all of us were brought here to the Americas from Africa in slave ships. This is just this is just not true. They want you to believe that so-called American Indians were the indigenous people of this land. But the truth is, we were already here when they walked into Alaska, out of Mongolia and Russia. Eventually, they did mix in with us, and we became united as one people, like the Iroquois Confederation. We are all in one as one people in the, in the Iroquois Confederation. I have a a, a, a portrait a great of my great-great-grandmother, post-Civil War-era picture in my, in, my, in my living room right now, which Dr. Aleem and Kadira have in their possession, and they can show it to you. Her name was E-Star. But I found out from Brother Shabazz Bay that he told me down in New Orleans that a lot of, in the New Orleans, a lot of that territory, a lot of... Uh, uh, Boy, by a woman was named Eastar, and she was from that part of the region. Just doing a little research on my family history, so I'm also bloodline to the United Washington, these are the Mandia Moor Pire Nation, Moors. Okay, let me move on. Atlantis was our vacation home, and Greek philosopher Plato described it in this way. He said, the island of Atlantis was a great empire, referring to the lands that encompass the Caribbean, North, South, and Central America, parts of Libya, Africa within the columns of Jebel, Tariq, Gibraltar, which is uh, Tariq, another name for Gibraltar, and Foas. Egypt and some of Europe. 
Because Europe, as a lot of people don't know, actually Europe is not actually a continent. In ancient times, Europe was nothing, nothing, uh, nothing more than just an extension of Western Asia. It didn't become Europe. It was named after a Phoenician queen named Europa, which is the continent, what the so-called continent of Europe is named after, a Phoenician queen. She was a Moor. <clears throat> For those that that didn't know, it's named after a Moor queen. There are some Europeans know that, that have that information, that have that knowledge, but probably just don't want you to know, or a lot of us to know it. All right. We are descendants of the ancient Atlanteans, along with our other indigenous brothers of the South Pacific. Our civilization stretched from Sumer, or I can say from Sumer, to Egypt, to Ethiopia, to Vietnam, Cambodia, and the mystical land of Atlantis. Stop right here. Well, you can say Vietnam, Cambodia, those areas. <clears throat> yes, you can because if you look at the book by uh, Ivan Van Sertima, Africans in Early Asia, it has a lot of information on that. <clears throat> you see a lot of pictures and a lot of uh, uh, um, facts about that that he that backs him up on that. Uh, you can look at uh, take the name Japan for instance. Japan, Japan means Japa, Japa, Japa means to be Ebonite. Nis means people, Ebonite people. <clears throat> Even uh, recently, a lot of uh, our own research Asiatic researchers went to Japan, and especially in the mountains, and found and were shocked to see a lot of our Asiatic uh, elder brothers and sisters still live there. To this very day, but there are certain Japanese will refuse or will not admit that. They know, but they don't want most of us to know about that as well. Vietnam the same way. You will see Buddhist shrines in the Vietnam, uh, Cambodia, and even in Thailand. I served in Southeast Asia when I was in the service myself, and you can see certain Buddhist shrines in certain parts of the country with uh, cornrows on their head, on their heads. You can see them in certain pictures. Uh, 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 also, the book of what they call uh, What They Didn't Teach You in History Class. Okay, let me move on. The ancient Moors are known in history as the ancient ones. I'm going to repeat this again. The ancient Moors are known in history as the ancient ones. We are descendants of the ancient tribes of Shem, Cam, Cush, Mizraim, Moab, Sheba, Saba, and Judah. Yehudi. Actually, Judah is Yehudi. Moors are also Mandan. Shoshone, Nespers, and the last goes and the list goes on. I know you heard of the Shoshone uh, tribal nation here in the Americas, North America. 
what they call the, what the, the so-called Shoshone Indian tribe. But no, they are Moors. As Native American Moors, we spoke Arabic, and that is why some of our cities have Arabic words in them. For example, Tallahassee. Okay, it has Ta'alahasi equals God, the glorified. Take Alabama, for instance. Alabama, Allah, Bama, God. Washington, which comes from the Washita, or Washita, which I'm a part of myself. I'm a Washita Moor. I'm still a Moor regardless. But I'm also a Washita. You know, you can say you're a Washita, you can say you're a Kitiwa, you can say a Bin Ishmael, you can say you're Shoshone, you can say you're a Kiawa, or you can say, you know, a Cherokee or whatever, but we all still Moors. So I want to get that straight. No, there's no differentiations. There is no difference. We all Moors. Just uh, we are of certain different tribes or tribal nations, and we all need to come together as Moors. It doesn't separate us. No, it does not. I cannot change the fact that I am a Washita Moor. I have, I'm a blood, I'm bloodline torn. I have no choice, as Dr. Eileen Elbey told me one time. I am a more the same. Okay, let me go on. So I said Washington, Washetan, or some people say Shaitan, the Satan, the devil, but it also means Washington, where Washington comes from, Washita, Seattle, Washington, Denzel, Washington, the actress. Carrie Washington. They're saying Washita. That's what they're saying. You got the White House, 10 D.C., which is White House, which is Casablanca, Darbeda, Darbidar. They're moving along here. <clears throat> so at one time, this whole continent was all in one. Africa, the Africa and Americas was all connected together until the great split of what they called the continental drift. You know, it broke off, you know. So, But we still of African descent. You know, we're not, some people say, we didn't come from nowhere. We always was here. But, yeah, but this was, was this, still, this was still called Africa at one time. The word Amexum. You are Afra, Africa, America. You still have the Icus or the Rickus. Part of the last half part of the, of the word. Or the name, a maxim, 
you take am and take a m e off of maximum and put it in uh, and then you have america and america which all derive from al morocco or al moruka a m u k a calming spirit ra that's the sun god ra ra like amun ra so it has a deep, it has a deep both of the names have deep mystical significance. We are Moors of African descent. So a lot of people want to try. To, some people want to try to separate themselves from Africa, but they can't. They can try, but they can't. We are all of African descent. That's straight right now. Yeah, we are Moors, yeah. We are Moors of African descent. Okay. Okay. It says, what science says about the continental drift? Evidence supporting continental drift. The Earth's crust is constantly moving, both vertically and horizontally, at rates of up to several inches a year. A widely held theory that explains these movements is called plate tectonics. It was developed in the mid-1960s by geophysicists. The term plate refers to large, rigid blocks of the Earth's surface that appear to move as a unit. These plates may include both ocean and continents. When the plates move, the continents and ocean floor above, above them move as well. Continental drift occurs when the continents change position relation to each other. While plate tectonics is a relatively new idea, scientists have been gathering data in support of the continental drift theory for a very long time. In 1912, Alfred Wagner and Frank Taylor first proposed the theory that 200 million years ago, the Earth had only one giant continent, from which today's continents broke apart and drifted into their current locations. Wedgner used the fit of the continents, the distribution of fossils, a similar sequence of rocks at numerous locations, ancient climates, and the apparent wandering of the Earth's polar regions to support his idea. Here's what we call what you call the shapes the shapes match. Okay, the continent looked as if they were pieces of a giant jigsaw puzzle and they did. If you have you ever saw these maps before, if you know what I'm talking about. Those of you know what I'm talking about, know what I'm know know exactly what I'm saying. Alright? It says here, I'm saying it over again. The continents look as if they were pieces of a giant jigsaw puzzle that could fit together to make one giant supercontinent. The bulge of Africa fits the shape of the coast of North America, while Brazil fits along the coast of Africa beneath the bulge. And it does. Okay? See, I see the plants and animals match. Wesner noted 
plant fossils of late Paleozoic age found on several different continents were quite similar. This suggests that they evolved together on a large, on a single large landmass. He was intrigued by the occurrence of plant and animal fossils found on the matching coastlines of South America and Africa, which are now widely separated by the Atlantic Ocean. He reasoned that it was physically impossible for most of these organisms to have traveled or have been transported across the vast ocean. <coughs> to him, the presence of identical fossil species along the coastal parts of Africa and South America was the most compelling evidence that the two continents were once joined. Now we come to the part where the pharaoh Zophar and the ancient ones, the elders. Twenty-three elders gave human beings knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. They were high priests out of the order of Melchizedek, or something said Melchizedek. They initiated the mathematics and sciences into the world. The theory of Relativity was initiated by the elders to give humans the necessary knowledge to over, to overstand their relationship to the universe. I understand. I'll read this over again. The elders to get the, the theory of relativity was initiated by the elders to give humans the necessary knowledge to overstand, not understand. See where he worded to overstand their relationship to the universe because you want to overstand. You don't want to stand under it. You want to overstand. You want to overstand it. All right? The 23 elders established the mystery school. schools. These schools were housed in the pyramids and certain temples that were built all around the world. These elders were responsible for keeping the universe in order. Now, some people said it was the 24 elders. But I'm reading like it is uh, written down here. It said the 23 elders, so I'm I'm uh, I'm just going to just uh, just say what the book says. Okay. These elders were responsible for keeping the universe in order. It says here you can see you ran to your book. Legends tell us that the elders constructed spiritual crafts called markabas, or merkaba, as a means of transportation. From different parts of the world, and in, in, in the book in the, in the Holy Bible, the book of Ezekiel, one paragraph sixteen. It says there the legend tells us that the native people of the Mexican saw Zosa landing and called the Zosa, the high priest, Zosa's son. I pronounce this name, Kasikhum Mawi, okay, and Nimoth Arhafi was the first pharaoh to succeed Menes, the first pharaoh of ancient Egypt. Zosa, which means holy, was a high priest out of the order of Melchizedek. Zosa, or Joseph, was one of the, um, here, it, here it comes, was one of the 24 elders, men of renown. In the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 6, 
for a paragraph. He received his knowledge and power from El Qadir, the green one, or El Qadar, the green one. He ruled during the beginning of ancient Egypt's years as an empire. He moved the capital from Dennis to Memphis. Now you notice uh, if you deal with a lot of uh, comedic mysteries and mystical teachings, you know, you have the Memphite theology, and you know that there is a Memphis, Tennessee here in the Americas. That's not a coincidence. It tells you we were one, but it tells you something, don't it? About our people, about us being Aboriginal indigenous to this land. I want you to think on that. Okay. Okay, says so Zosar was the processor, possessor of many names in different cultures as he was known as Hermes Trismegistus, that's Greek. Okay, Hermes Trismegistus is Greek, but it's actually Tahuti in the in the Kemetic and the Kemetic Moors uh, 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 mysteries. Okay, you have the Hermes thrice great. Number two, thought, which is Egypt. Number three, Mercury, Rome. Number four, Quetzalcoatl, Mexico. Number five, Rapanu, Easter Island. Number six, Nabu, Assyrian. Number seven, Abdu, Adus, Arabia. Zosa was the teacher of alchemy, hermetic sciences, mathematics, and the hieroglyphics. He initiated the use of levitation, the sleeping serpent, and the laser cutting to cut and move huge stone. That time. So that's nothing new. That's ancient technology. Ancient. Okay. They're just now getting it back. Sir Pythagoras, the Greek, was a student of Zoser. The Pythagorean theorem. But I had to tell you that Pythagoras never learned the 360 degrees, or you can say 720 degrees. But there is there is such a thing. The fourth Pythagoras got was to the second degree, and he didn't finish that. He didn't finish the second degree of the mysteries system. Okay. Zosa, the high priest, the elder. Zosa or Zosa held one of the positions of the 24 elders. The reason I refer to them as the 23 elders is because a seat or position is held open for an elder to incarnate at a specific time on earth as Yeshua. Jesus did, or Jesus' elder name is Sananda. Those that start right here when you said about Jesus, okay, now we those of us that are really high up in the level of the mysteries and of the uh, sacred sciences really know that there was no such person as Jesus. He never did exist. 
No soul expression that Jesus ever walked the earth. I mean, of course you can say he was Yosef, Yosef ben Yosef, or Yahshua ben Yosef. Jesus, uh, Jesus, the son of Joseph. A lot of them say that. You know, that is more realistic because you can say that he was a he was born naturally of a, a mother and father. You can say that. You can't say that. But other than that, he did not exist. There was no Jesus. There was there was no Moses. There was no Abraham. These are all solar, lunar, mythical figures. What I mean by solar, I'm talking about the sun. I mean, when I mean about lunar, I'm talking about the moon. When I'm talking about stellar, I'm talking about the stars. Okay, let's move along. Inhotep, with the guardians of his master, teacher Zoser, Imhotep calculated and precise and calculated the precise dimensions for the construction of the first pyramid and the step pyramid. The advancement of the step pyramid gave the twenty-three elders the ability to teach the mysteries from India to Mexico, or you can say from Hindustan to Maku or Mexico. Angelic Elohim name is Uphael. Was the first official in Zosa's court. It was through Zosa that Inhotep made visible to the world the knowledge and power that you possess as an ancient people. Inhotep was a man of remarkable talents. He built the step pyramid at Saqqara. The pyramid of Saqqara gave birth to pyramids all over the world. Okay, I'm going to go on the break here, about five minutes, and I will be back. All right.
Peace, peace. I'm back. Brother Fahim is back. All right. Okay. <clears throat> now we can start off here. It says Zover lands in a Mexico, Egypt of the West. The Mayans knew the Elder Zosa as they say Quetzalcoatl. Their legend tells us that Quetzalcoatl landed in Mexico and established Egypt of the West. Mm. He built the mystery schools in America 
the Greek pyramids and taught high science, art, spirituality, and mathematics. Zosa established the World Brotherhood after the order of Melchizedek. You see in Hebrews chapter 6, 20, we have this at a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner shrine behind the curtain. Where Jesus, Yahshua, has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek or Melchizedek referred to, who is Melchizedek. When the Spanish landed in the Mexico, they were told of the great black god Quetzalcoatl. So they changed the story. Quetzalcoatl in a European image, but there were serious flaws in the theories of the white god European story. Let's see what that was. Let's see what that was. Okay. Let's see what these flaws was. It was only after the Spanish conquest of the West that Quetzalcoatl was depicted as having white skin and the only in accounts provided by the Spaniards themselves. In, lo- in local Aztec art, Quetzalcoatl was usually shown as a feathered serpent or as a human with a black face, and Olmec, African features, Ethiopian, Egyptian. So we need to spell that myth. Okay. Olmecs were heads date from approximately 1500, 1000 BC. Oh, 1500, 1000 BC, I'm sorry. 1000 BC. Or it could have been 100,000 BC. I don't know. No one really actually knows. Okay? It says here that these stone heads were carved of single pieces of basalt stone weighing up to 60 tons, similar to the stone churches of. The Labala, Ethiopia. Notice the Egyptian-style helmet worn by the Kushite rulers of Egypt and Ethiopia. Western archaeologists go out of their way to try to prove that Moors are not indigenous to th- this hemisphere. They go way out of their way, but they always lose. Okay? I traveled throughout the lands of a Maxim. I studied the culture and lived with the people, so I have a personal connection with my ancestors here in our dominion. This is Brother Judah, this is Brother Fahim Judah El talking here now. I'm going to repeat this again. He says here, I traveled throughout the lands of Amexum. I studied the culture and I lived with the people. So I have a personal connection with my ancestors here in our dominion. So that comes from his own personal experience. No, his own personal experience, not from something he read or what someone told him. <coughs> now, it says here, okay, okay, we come to the subject of the Spain out of the Moors, or Spain out of the Moors. Question, how did the Moors get into Spain? It was a custom among the princes 
of the state to send their children to the court to be trained in the areas of good breeding and polite conduct, among others. Count Julian, the governor of Soweta, sent his daughter Florinda to King Roderick's court in Toledo to be educated among the queen's waiting women. The maiden was very beautiful, and the king became lustful and and forgetful of his honor, which bound him to protect her as he would his own daughter. But he raped her and put her to shame. The girl's honor had to be avenged, since Julia's wife was a daughter of King Ratiza, whom King Roderick had disposed of earlier. The royal blood of the Goths had been insulted in the person of Florinda. Julian wanted revenge on Roderick, so he went to Musa, a Moor, the son of Nosier, the governor of North Africa, who they had wars with previously. Julian told Musa to the fertile land and riches of Spain and the treasures of the Goths. He also told him that he would show him the way to Andalusia which was called Spain at that time, and give him ships. Musa didn't trust Julian. He thought it was a trap. So in July 17 A.D., in the year of domination, meaning in the year of domination, he sent Tarif ibn Zar, ibn Mudri, and 500 more soldiers to make a raid on Julian's four ships upon the coast of Andalusia. Tarif returned 20 days later after he successfully accomplished his mission. He landed at the location which still bears his name, Tarifa. It's a small port in southern Spain. Musa was encouraged by Tarif's success, so he decided to expand upon it. So in 711 A.D., he sent his Moorish Moorish army under the direction of General Tariq ibn Zayed. Ibn Zaid, Ibn meaning the son of Zaid. That's what they mean when they say Ibn. Or in Hebrew when they say uh, 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 Yeshua ben Yosef. Or Yahshua ben Yosef. I mean Jesus the son of Joseph. That's in Hebrew. Here um, in Arabic they mean Tariq Ibn Zayad. Which meaning Tariq son of Zayad. Okay. It said, General Tariq ibn Ziyad to cross the Strait of Gibraltar from northern Africa into the Iberian Peninsula. The strait was not called Gibraltar until General Tariq took control of Spain. The word Gibraltar was named after General Tariq. It is really known as Jebel Tariq or Gibraltar. General Tariq and the Moors defeated Roderick the last of the Visigoth kings of Spain at the Battle of Rio Barbe. It was during this battle that King Roderick was killed. In 1712, in the year of domination, or A.D., as they want to call it, they captured Toledo, and by 719 A.D., Tarif's army crossed the Pyrenees Mountains and entered into France. This began the 800-year rule of the Moors in Spain. During this time, the Moors developed the greatest cultural civilization known everywhere in Europe. In the last half of the 11th century, there emerged powerful dynasties from Senegal, West Africa, known 
as the Almoravides. They established their capital at Marrakesh, Morocco, and became masters of the new empire, which included Senegal, Morocco, Tunis, southern Spain, and the empire grew larger than Western Europe. At this time, the first general of the Senegalese army was Abu Bekar, who was supplanted by a stronger general, Yusuf bin Tafran. Yusuf's first aim was to construct an ancient capital, capital city with marvelous houses, a marble floor, palace with a beautiful garden in the courtyard. The city was called Marrakesh, or Morocco City. Morocco also became the name of the country. Get that. Okay. As Moorish, Moorish power began to decline in Spain, Yusuf crossed the Mediterranean to Spain in order to reinforce Moorish control. He taught 15,000 Moorish troops into Spain and with him defeated Alfonso VI, Alfonso VI with his 70,000 soldiers at the Battle of Zalaca. Or Zalaca. During the wars of the Almoravides, the greatest commander and hero of Moorish Spain literature was slain. His name was Rodrigo Diaz de Bavar, better known as El Cid. Those who remember the movie El Cid with Charleston Heston, you know, this is what they uh, part of that well, a lot of fiction anyway, but that's what what part of that movie was about. Okay, the Moors were known for much more than conquest. They were bringers of light into a cold and dark European world of ignorance. This is what they you know, they would tell you in the history classes or in schools around the country. They're not going to never teach that. Okay, repeat this again. The Moors were known for much more than than conquest. They were bringers of light into a cold and dark European world of ignorance. And while the remaining part of Europe was in the ignorant state, the Spanish people took advantage of the knowledge of the Moors. During Moorish rule, many other capitals of Europe were mere hamlets. But Cordova, the capital of Spain, was a booming city. It is said that after, after dark, one could walk many miles in Cordova and never pass through a street that not lighted by public lights because they had never seen public lights before in Europe till the Moors came and brought that to them. That's where we have street lights today in our cities like Chicago, London, Paris, uh, Brussels, Belgium, you know, Berlin, Germany, New York, Philadelphia, Detroit, Los Angeles, St. Louis, Atlanta, all due to the invention of our great ancient foremothers and forefathers, the Moors. Because let me go on. When a person walked out after dark in London, they had to carry a candle or lantern with him to illuminate his path. He also had to wear boots to walk through the thick mud that covered the roads because they did not have paved roads at that time. They didn't have it until we bought it to them or our ancestors by the torn, if I may say. Okay. <clears throat> when many Europeans were garbed in skins and garments, the Moors were wearing silks, linens, and cotton cloth. They also built over 900 bathhouses in Cordova. It is said that many Visigoths took baths only once or twice a year, which is very true. 
The palace of the Moorish Sultan was far greater in beauty, comfort, and the wealth than any of the castles of the ancient kings. I'm going to stop right here because it was said of the Queen Elizabeth I, uh, the Virgin Queen, as some of them call her, to her as, uh, <clears throat> a lot of uh, the delegates, when they uh, walked toward her, uh, toward the throne, they had to stand away from her because she smelled so bad, you know. And even when when she talked, uh, she spit a lot because of her dental her, her dental uh, health wasn't all that good either. Her dental hygiene was very poor, and she had a poor hygiene. And this is why she only took a bath only maybe twice a year. Take baths was a sin, what they call a sin in European society at that time. Okay, let me move on. Okay. Uh, it says here, the, the palace of the Moorish Sultan was far greater in beauty, comfort, and wealth than any other castles of the ancient kings. The Moors had extremely high polished marble in, in their construction. The sides of the walls were patiently carved, and the floors were made with decoration called mosaics. The Moors were masters in mosaic work. Moorish life was based on agriculture, manufacturing, and trade. The Moors brought rice. Repeat this again. The Moors brought rice, cotton, peaches, oranges, and lemons into Spain because there was no such fruit in that part of the land or any other part of Europe. Our ancient foremothers and forefathers introduced that to them. They introduced the rice, cotton, peaches, oranges, and lemons into into Europe. There were no such uh, there were no such things as cotton as cotton rice, peaches, or oranges, or lemon. No such thing in Europe at that time until we bought it to them, or our ancestors bought it to them, as I may say. They introduced silk culture into Spain as well as fine pottery, glazed tiles, silks, velvet, brocades, jewels, and on ornamental leather products. The Moorish civilization had a gigantic effect on Portugal and Spain, making them the first two European countries to emerge after the Dark Ages. Under the Moors, Spain flourished, and the people of Spain came to respect them. The Moors were very tolerant of Christianity and Judaism. They let all people of all religions worship freely, and they kept all, Christ- all churches and synagogues intact. The Moors understood that education was the light that would bring Europe out of the darkness, as, as so they built wonderful schools of medicine, medicines, medical centers, universities with studies in literature, mathematics, astronomy, anatomy, dentistry, chemistry, physics, and much more. The Moors were the light of the Western world. It says, it says it again, I'm going to go back to this paragraph where it says, the Moors were very tolerant of Christianity and Judaism. They let, they let all people of all religions worship freely, and they kept all churches and synagogues intact. This is, the, this is why in our, in our Constitution, the Constitution, no religion has no bearing on any person that takes all public office. So you know the concept of the United, what they call the United States Constitution for America or the United States Constitution of America. You know that was by us and not by the so-called white man or European. 
They took that pattern off of the aboriginal indigenous people of America. We already had a constitution in place. We already had a civilization in place in place over here in the Americas. So the European took off the blueprint that we laid out for them, which is a contract between us and the European or between their corporation or their corporate establishment that they had set up, the United States. Okay, I'm going to move it along. This is the Moorish Art and Architectures. A branch of Islamic art and architecture developed in the westernmost lands of the Moors, known as Maghrib in North Africa and Spain. Maghrib means sunset or darkness coming, and it is the name of one of the daily prayers in Islam. You can say that people, uh, you hear some Moors say Maghrib al-Aqsa. That means Morocco extreme to the west. Because it says here sunset. Where does the sun set? It sets in the west. Where is the Morocco extreme to the west? Here, in the western hemisphere. Here, what the day, what they call America today. This is the Moroccan Empire. Now I'm going to move on to some of Dr. Aline's works here. Move it along here. Dealing with a lot of sacred knowledge and science. It says here, the Washita Nation of Moors, as historical synopsis, Peru, Mexico, or Mexico, Isabella, now Cuba, because Cuba was known as Isabella. A lot of you didn't know, okay? USA, Canada, and Alaska are Europeans' inventions, which com- com- comprises the land of the cultured Moors, the descendants from the ancient Amuru Nation, the Amuru Washitas, Moors, the fathers of civilization, began on the great island's empire of Mu, Lemuria. When about 8,000 years ago, a natural catastrophe overwhelmed the ancient motherland. Lemuria was like Atlantis in the Atlantic. When Lemuria sank or sunk, it left certain islands, like the Hawaiian Islands, or more like Maui, Maui, Hawaii, Honolulu, Oahu, and so on. That was all left of um, uh, Ilmuria, really. That's that's what his name, as Dr. Eileen has stated, that they try to throw you off when they say Lemuria. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. The ancient motherland, some to its survivors made their way to what was what has since become known as North, Central, and South America. The Washita 
Nation of Moors or an indigenous peoples of North America, the Washita, otherwise known as the Olmec, had been originally associated with the Washita. Say this again. The Washita, otherwise Washita, spelling O U A C H I T A, sometimes spelled out that way instead of Washita. Okay? But let me repeat again. The Washita, otherwise known as the Olmec, had been originally associated with the Washita. Accordingly, the Washita had been primary had been the primary group of a more general population of indigenous peoples identified in history as Amuru. Amuru, the Moors. M U U R S. Amuru. M A M U R R U. Okay. Known to the Spanish and the French, the Washita have come to be known to the English as the Adena Hobwellian, Iberian affinity maintaining an Andalusian, Andalusian Carthaginian heritage. So you know the Punic, Iberians, all of us were Moors. Every time you hear them speak about all those people, they talk about Moors. Okay. But they'll never tell you that they were African people. They're not going to tell you that. They say Iberians, or they may say Punics, Carthaginians, or something like that, but they never uh, will, will give you a description of what they look like or who they were. Again, that's to throw a lot of us off. Okay. Let me move it on. Okay. As such, the Washita have been associated with the Eastern Algonquin Native Americans. I'm say it again. As such, the Washita have been associated with the Eastern Algonquin Native Americans, having acquired an ancient Egyptian as well as the Punic script and vocabulary, vocabulary as they have appeared in the epigraphic record of North America. This this was written by by Professor Rabana Bay. Okay. Moreover, Amaruka is derived from the Amun Raka. Amun Raka, also where America comes from. The name America comes from. Amun Raka. Mm. Amun means the hidden. Ra means sun god. Ka, spirit. Mm. In ancient America, the term Ka or Ika in the language of the Inca of Peru means raised land, mountain, highland. The term Amaru means plume, plumbed, feathered, serpent. The ancient title Amaruka means land of the plum serpent. Because a can, American, can means serpent. Can means or land of the serpent. A learn of wisdom, you can say. Okay, let me move on. This was borrowed by the migrants from Asia who settled in the... No, 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 let me go back. 
the ancient title America means land, sea, the plants. Oh, America. Okay, here I go. This was borrowed by the migrants from Asia who settled in America, who, who now erroneously called themselves Native Americans. Let me see this again. They, who, who now erroneously called themselves Native Americans. All over Africa, the serpent with its tail in its mouth called them associated with the rainbow. This rainbow serpent can be found in the Wudan, or Voodoo, as, as most people call it. And again, they are Ra, Amen, Ra, Amen, and Rayat. Amenta means the netherworld. Amenet, and Knesset, Kanmal, the Alf Ra Kanu, who migrated to ancient Amaruka, building pyramids and mounds all over North, Central, and South American continents, of course, brought their spiritual system called religion with them. So you can look at here. It says here, Shakespeare, St. Germain, wrote the book New Atlantis, as formed with the aid of secret societies, Shakespearean Council, Rosicrucians, the plans for the colonization of Western Hemisphere, or, or, or the colonization of the Western Hemisphere, say that correctly. The northern continent of America has been decreed to be the land of the democratic, ruled by demons, demigods, or demigods, those that follow Atum, Atem, them Commonwealth states thousands of years before Columbus ever sailed to its shores. <clears throat> William T. Steele's book called The New World Order mentioned the origin of the name of America. Steele wrote that in 1895 magazine named Lucifer that America is derived from the world Amaruka. James Price gave view on the meaning of the word America Price wrote that the Mayans and the Quetzalcoatl was known as Amaru, further serpent god in Peru. <coughs> Excuse me. Amaru's territory was called Amaruka, M-A-M-A-M-A-R-U-C-A, means the land of the serpent. Robert B. Stacy Mudd wrote that this also, Manly P. Hall, wrote this book, An America's Assignment with Destiny, that since the serpent is frankly a symbol of Lucifer, Uriel, one of the seven archangels, it's no exaggeration that extrapolate from that America may well mean land of Lucifer, land of the light, because that's what Lucifer means. Lucifer means light bearer, or bearer of the light, he who bears the light. That's all Lucifer means. Since the scholar J.A. Rogers' statement is true that the original inhabitants of Europe were black amours, according to what they never told you in history class by Andrews Kemet Cush, he, record, he records page 222, the first Moors were black. Moor, the race that is accused in European holiday, uh always means Negro. Uh, we, though we're not the Negroes and Blacks, we all know that. <clears throat> I'm just reading what it says here, okay? 
So just bear with it. Encyclopedia Herodica, Volume 3, page 68 to 9, 1913. The Greeks, as was said, used mortals to mean black or dark, and the Romans used it for the Negroes. Woolly haired like a moor, says Claudian, one of the Caesars. Moors, Ethiopians, Nicotians, that is Negroes, were one and the same. He speaks of the Moors who dwell beside the, the, the waters of Gere, most famous of the rivers of Ethiopia that overflow these banks as if it had been another Nile. The Gere referred to here as Niger or Niger de Bello Gadanico, okay, page 249-54. 189-93. Most interesting in his demonstration that the word Moro was given as a name of to Ethiopians by the Greco-Roman Empire and the Moro and that Moro therefore may have been a forerunner of the world Mari. Moros were so named because of, of their dark color origins of Moro. Moro, Moor, or more. Says here in Journal of the African Civilizations, Volume Three, to num- number one, April issue, the April 1981 issue. It says here that Sir William Smith says the Moors were known in the Alexandrian dialect as black, and that the Moors must not be considered a different race from the Numidians. Right, they're not a different race because we all are Moors. Okay, let me, let me stop right here to go on. Smith, Sir William, Dictionary of Greek and Roman Geographic, pages 294 to 297. It's also, you can see, see it, It said that the Greeks and Romans and Gauls, the Moors were known as black people. It says here in all, all of these uh, books here, uh, J.A. J. Rogers, uh, World's Great Men of Color, History of the Wars, says the same thing. Moors, a black race of Africa. Now, we must understand, understand, and understand that the Amu people were already global people before the so-called continental drift or pole shift, spreading out all, uh, spreading out over into all land masses. Pangaea, which was supposed to be the name, ancient name of when the two continents were connected together. The names Amu, Mu, Mur, Mor, Moro, Morocco. There is a difference between the kingdom and the empire. Morisco, Almorak, Amuro, Amaru, Amir, Maru, Meru, Mero, Mer, Mary, Mary, Maya, all have the same root and are all derivatives referring to the oldest people on the face of the planet. The can word possessors called in Greek melanites. Okay.
name Moorish American Moorish American is actually an oxymoron, meaning the word more and Amir have the same root. And the name Moorish American is derived from Aramu Muru or Amaru Muir, which is a portion of the name Amuru Washita or Amexum Washita Moor. How about that? Hmm. Okay. Says the ancient American author David Dale included mind scoffing at the establishment accomplished of an old world entrepreneur and entrepreneur. Ballyhooing of a book he was publishing, this initiated the etymology of using a commoner's first name, Amerigo. Supposed <clears throat> to be Amerigo Vespucci. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see, this comes from the book called Ancient American Magazine, uh, issue number 61, article, The Real Origin of America by Tom Strider. <clears throat> okay, let's read this part here. All right, bear with me here then, boys. Ancient American author David Deal, including my scoffling at the establishment acceptance of an old world entrepreneur's ballyhooing of a book he was publishing, thus initiating the etymology of using a commonest first name, Amerigo, to arrive at the name for our American continents. That's that's false etymology was perpetrated in our schools until even that was dropped from many of the curricula, which now items of political correctness in lieu of historical facts. Columbus' fourth voyage resulted in, in the said Spanish learning about the Chanto Indians, word Amarek which means summit of the mountain, in which his crew Hispanized to America, uh, America, the word that Vespucci's publisher, Waldensmuller, used when he translated Vespucci's book from the Latin Ricardo de Palma, related the story to Cortes, Salas Indians, written during 1504. Was Mr. Deals. He mentioned that Amari in Hebrew, Arabic, also means summit of a mountain, while the ancient Hebrews, Rick, signified something that was worthless, empty, or of no use, like wilderness. Amir or Rick translated to mountain wilderness, likened to the Amaric in the Maya Keystone of the Chantas, in which is now Nicaragua. So it says here, in other words, the original application of the name American, America, which both has its roots in the word Maru, Amir, Amir, Amer, Hebrew, Arabic, meaning leader, commander, in front, peak or summit of a mountain. And Omec and Mayan, or Ik, Makil and Algonquin M. Erica, meaning Moor, Moor, Maru, Moor, do not apply to the Albion European settlers, invaders of their descendants. 
These Moors, Moors were eventually migrated to North America from Mexico, became known as Washita, Yamasi, and the Benishmael tribe. The Benishmael tribe was a collection of what is now known as Lenape and Nanako Indians, who migrated to Indiana and Illinois and referred to themselves as Moors. Even through the United States government continued to classify them as Negroes in order to strip them of their indigenous rights. These same Moors are related to the Maroons, Maroon people. Maroon from the word Maroonage or American Spanish Cimarron, fugitive runaway, lit, living on mountaintops from Spanish. Cima, tops, summit was a term used to refer to a runaway slave in the West Indies, Central America, South America, and North America, descendants of Maroon. Populations are found in Jamaica, Colombia, the Amazon River Basin, and in the American states of Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. Individual groups of Maroons often allied themselves with local indigenous tribes and occasionally assimilated into the populations. Maroons, Moroccans, Amorocans, Americans played as important role in the histories of Brazil, Suriname, Puerto Rico. Uh, Puerto Rico was which is, which is <clears throat> uh, Boracango. Uh, Puerto, Puerto Rico actually means rich port. That was named after the Europeans because uh, so many, a lot of our women were wearing a lot of gold chains and necklaces around their necks which they had to cut off their heads in order to uh, obtain the gold, if you didn't know that. So I'm sad to put that out there. Okay, Puerto Rico, Haiti, Cuba, or Cuba, which was named Isabella at one time, Jamaica. There's much variety among maroon cultural groups because of differences in history, geography, African nationality, and the settlements often possess outsider identity. They sometimes develop Creole languages by mixing European tongues with their original African languages. One such Maroon Creole language is Suriname, is Saramacan. The Maroons, the Moroccans, and Moroccans, Americans, created their own independent communities, which one in some cases have survived for centuries until recently remained separated from mainstream society. In the 19th and 20th centuries, Maroon, Moroccan, and Al-Moroccan American communities began to disappear as forces were raised, although some countries such as Guyana and Suriname. A later English word developed is a blackamoor, a moor, a French word for love. The term moor is the root word for the Latin term amour, which means beloved, and was a term used in reference to the Moroccan kings who sailed via Spain and became religious leaders of the Vatican. The Vatican means place of serpent prophecy. That's what the word Vatican means for those that uh, that didn't know. Okay? That's what the uh, Vatican means. I repeat it. Vatican means the place of serpent prophecy. Okay? The original Vatican priesthood was Coptic, Cat Holic, or Holy Cat, of Egypt symbolized by the Horu and my cat. You see the so-called Sphinx, uh, that, they, that, they, uh, that was the Greek term. But the, in the comedic term, it's Horu, it's Horu 
and my cat. That's the name of the structure of the lion's head, of the lion, okay, that you see in the Egyptian desert. It says here that the Moroccan priesthood oversaw the papal government. The Amu, Moors, or the, or the Punic, Libyan, Moroccan, otherwise known as Carthaginian, and a Phoenician, Saracen, Moors. A later English word developed as Black Amour. That was the, the English, what the English said. Okay, Amour, a French word for love. The biblical word for Moor is Moab. That is the biblical word for for more, Moab or Moabite or Moabitess. They are talking about Moors, like Ruth and Boaz. Okay? Just look in the book of Ruth and you'll see what I'm talking about in the Bible, especially in the King James Version. Okay? Let me move along here. <clears throat> Okay, I'm going to repeat this again and again. The biblical word for more, the biblical word for more is Moab. Hamido Semitic meaning water, mother, father, heart. Sincere note, metaphysically means emotions, desires of the heart. Thus it is originally the word Moabite. The Arabic word Al-Moravit is derived from the Hebrew word Moabite. The word more is a corrupted word referring to specifically the people that came from Morocco, the Christian, the Christians of the Iberian Peninsula, medieval Spaniards and Portuguese, stereotype all Moors, Milanos, as Muslims. Thus, they began to use the word exclusively for Muslims. Even even so, a Moor, Moor may be a Muslim, but not all Moors are Muslims, as we well know, right? Here in America, uh, a lot of us, most of us, the great majority of us are Christians. You know, we have some that are uh, Hebrew Israelites. So, you know, we know that's a lie. You know, most Moors are not Muslims. Although a lot of us are, you know, but most of us refer to ourselves as Muslims instead of Muslims. Okay? Let me move along here. Yes, I'm going to repeat this again, okay? <clears throat> but not all Moors are Muslims, except by nature, but not by practice, even though there is a science in the practice of Islamic prayer. A Moor or Moor, regardless of his religion, culture, orientation, or assumed ethnic identity, you're still a Moor. Okay, what I mean by Moor, by nature, because by nature we are Moors. I don't usually look at it as uh, <clears throat> Islam as a religion. Because that's why we call it Islamism. You know, uh, we don't. Uh, I don't look at it. I put it this way: I don't look at Islam as a exactly as a religion per se, although it is a religion. But I look at it as the nature of the Asiatic people, a way of life, a culture, more than a religion itself. Okay. All right, let me move it on here. <clears throat> 